Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. My name is Jason Bollinger, uh, one of the house church leaders here at Renaissance. And most Sundays, uh, I'm standing behind a guitar or a keyboard up here. And so during the, the week, I lead a missions organization with my wife, Holly, called Lynx International. And uh, it's always a joy to get to, to share from the word. And this morning, we're going to be talking about... Um, living on mission. And so we've been talking about purpose for a few weeks. And this purpose is what we want everybody at Renaissance to um, experience. We just want us to be living fully in our purpose. And we started with walking with God. And so there's an invitation that as we're learning about God and seeing things in God and understanding that Jesus came, sent from God with the love to save the world, we respond to that in faith and we begin a journey of believing in him and following his word. And we begin walking uh, with God. And then there's this other element of growing in community in Acts chapter two, there there's this reality that the, the believers were walking with God. And then it says, and suddenly they were all together. And when they were together, power started coming into them and, and coming through them. And they started seeing thousands of people being saved. They started seeing people being cared for in supernatural ways. And so this walking with God and this belief and faith, when that came together in community and people were growing, like these amazing things happened through the people of God being together. In the, in the kingdom of God, there's no room for solo believers. If you were a believer, you were created to be with other believers and to grow in community. And that was the second thing that we learned about last week. And then today we're, we're including a third part of purpose that's living on mission. And these aren't necessarily sequential, right? It's not this and then this and then this. It can be way more messy than that. Like you may have actually started living on mission before you found out that maybe you weren't even a Christian. And then it's like, oh, there's all these people. It doesn't matter like what order these things happen. It just matters that they happen. And so this gives us an invitation to whichever thing we're not experiencing in our lives, we can step into that. We can respond to an invitation to walk with God, grow in community, or to begin to live on mission. And so today I want to get to talk about, I get to talk about living on mission. Uh, I have a few things to say about that. So I hope you packed your lunch. And um, this is the thing. Let me be really honest. Most of my life is spent in the realm of mission. And my confession is mission is not in the Bible. The word mission does not exist in the Bible. But where we get mission is the description of some things that Jesus said. It's a summary. And that summary comes from most commonly, most famously, Matthew chapter 28. And it says this, and it'll be on the screen for you to follow along. It says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so if you have a, a Bible in your hand at the top of that section, you'll notice that it says the Great Commission, the Great Commission. Um, I think it probably says that in your like 
phone Bible too. It's the Great Commission. We all know that that's the Great Commission. That's a description of what Jesus was talking about. And anytime you have the word co, it means with. It's a, it, has, it comes from the root word of what we have in common. And so there's a, a togetherness in just anytime there's co, and then you have mission. And so it means together on mission, or it means with in mission. And so it takes our growing com- community to this broader understanding of that we are together for the mission, but more specifically for the mission that Jesus was describing to us here in Matthew chapter 28. So living with mission or living on mission means that we're living with, from the co, with Jesus on his mission. Jesus was on a mission long before you and I were ever on the scene. And now that we're here, we're not here to start anything new. We're not here to create some new movement. We are joining in what Jesus has already very clearly begun. And he said, all authority in in heaven and earth has been given to me. So that's Jesus saying, this is my mission. And I'm inviting you to be a part of what I've been doing, what I will continue to do, but come be with me on mission. So that's kind of where we're going today. So it's always a good idea to start with Jesus, right? So let's look a little bit more specifically about the mission of Jesus. We learn in um, um, John three sixteen that the mission of Jesus is that he was sent. The mission of Jesus, he was sent. John 3.16 is a verse that you probably can say by heart, maybe not in this translation, but John 3.16 says, for God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We know that part, right? Look at what comes next in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God so loved the world, but that love that he had was an intentional action of God to send the love that could save the world in the form of Jesus. So when we're looking at Jesus, we look at the mission of Jesus and that he was sent. And we describe this as mission. We, it comes from a Latin word that's called missionem, and the literal definition is the act of sending. Mission is, is the act of sending. It's a dispatch, right? I don't know if we have any first responders in the room, but where there's a dispatch. And like when a crisis call comes in, somebody receives that call and they dispatch help. For what? There's an immediate need. Somebody needs saving. Somebody needs help. And they're sent to that need immediately. That's dispatch. Or it means a setting at liberty. So it's not just saving like from a distance. It's not just sending and providing and care. It's bringing a freedom that didn't currently exist before. So setting at liberty. So when we talk about mission, we're talking about what we see in Jesus. Jesus, uh, he was sent by the Father. He was dispatched because we needed him desperately. And he came to literally save the world and give freedom to those who were oppressed. Sent from heaven and earth to save the world because he loves the world. So the most important thing that we see here first is that Jesus was sent. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just like, hey, what should I do today? Maybe I'll go from heaven to earth and hang out for uh, 33 years. No, he was sent by God. The Bible says at just the right time to bring light into the darkness. So we see the mission of Jesus in that he was sent. The next thing we see is the method of Jesus. And we use a theological word here called incarnation. So the method of Jesus is what we call incarnation, and that comes from what we read in John chapter 1. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So when Jesus came as a baby, that wasn't the beginning of Jesus. He was already there with God. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. 
In him was life, and that life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. If you're looking for a place to dive into the scriptures this week, John 1 is an amazing place to spend a day or a week because right after it talks about Jesus coming in as the light of the world, it says, but the world wasn't interested. The world was clouded in darkness. The light came and the world actually didn't really care. More people rejected Jesus than accepted him and believed in him, which is much the case that it is today. Our world is draped in darkness, needing light now in the last year more than ever before in our lifetime. And the light is available. Jesus came as incarnation. John chapter 1, 14 says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of, of grace and truth. And I think this is so profound for us. If you have the message translation of the Bible, it says about this verse that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Like, it doesn't sound very holy, does it, right? Not this, like, angelic realm being coming down with an angelic chorus singing his praises. It just says, how did Jesus come? He just showed up. He moved into the neighborhood. I love that so much because it shows us how accessible it is to be with Jesus on mission because he just moved in full of grace and truth. I'm a little bit worried about the state of, of like our, some of our Christian brothers and, and sisters right now because you would think that the verse of incarnation said, Jesus came from heaven with the love of God full of Facebook judgment and condemnation, full of cancel culture, full of shame, full of if you disagree with me, I hate you, full of trying to argue people into a position full of thinking my way is the only way. I'm a little bit worried that that's what our brothers and sisters, that's what we're being known for as followers of Christ in our current day and age. And we need a bit of a reset to remember what was Jesus known for? Being full of grace and truth. His incarnation was he showed up with grace and truth sent by God, motivated by his love. There was darkness and need of light. And Jesus moves into the neighborhood with grace and truth to light up that darkness. That's the method of Jesus. The final thing we'll look at here about Jesus is the message of Jesus. So what does that grace and truth look like? It looks like good news, good news. And we learned this from Luke chapter four, when Jesus was going public with his ministry, he lived 30 years as just a quiet servant, just learning, learning from his spiritual leaders, learning with his family, working as a carpenter, just apparently incredibly ordinary, right? Causing his mom to have some stress when he wasn't where he was supposed to be. There was just some things we see about Jesus. None of them were like, wow, that was God in the flesh. And so when he decided that it was time to go public with his ministry, he's in his home, his home temple, right? And he picks up a scroll to read. And it says this in Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is on me. If, if somebody like kind of stood up right now and was like, I have something to say, the spirit of the Lord is on me. We might go, that's kind of scandalous. All right. That's some, some very strong confidence because he has anointed me to preach 
Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. This is Jesus's mission statement. This is his clarification. So we know that he was sent. We see how he was sent an incarnation from heaven to earth. And now he's telling us what he's going to be doing for the rest of his ministry. And that is bringing good news. That is what the mission of Jesus was all about. And some people leave off the last part of this because it tends to get incredibly messy. He says, I've come to preach good news. And it's like, great, let's plant some churches. Let's raise up some preachers. Let's preach, 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 preach. And we act as if Jesus didn't say to the poor. Like that was all together. Like Jesus wasn't like saying preach and to the poor. It's like, no, preach the good news to the poor the poor, not to the comfortable, not to the people that look like us, but let's take the good news where it's needed the most. Let's take the good news to the darkness. Let's take the good news to the oppressed. Like he literally means to the poor. We need to let this challenge us because the gospel of Jesus is supposed to lead us to places that are difficult, lead us into places that are messy. Lead us into places that are hard. The people in Jesus's hometown, when he said that, they're like, no, thank you. Matter of fact, we're going to kill you. That was their response to him inviting them to preach the good news to the poor. We get to make a response of our own. What's our response going to be? Into an invitation like this, we need to let it challenge us. I want to, can we take just a minute and can we actually talk about the poor? Nearly one half of the world's population, more than 3 billion people live on less than $2.50 a day. Three billion people live on less than 250 a day. More than 1.3 billion live in extreme poverty. 1.3 billion people today woke up in extreme poverty. They live on less than $1.25 a day. My daughters walked over to, to Blockhouse and brought me back a $5 coffee. That's five times more than what a billion people on this world live on per day. That's just reality. Some people like to say, oh, well, American poverty, like it's getting worse, it's getting worse. Okay, maybe so, but some of you like data nerds, like, you know, you love spreadsheets, you love graphs. Like, I just wanted to show I'm not making stuff up. Up here at the, at the top, that's American earners. So over on the left is the lowest level of income by Americans. What you'll see on the far right is the income graph of all of India. So what you see is that the lowest earners in America are the richest, are richer than all of India. Let me give some, some words to that. The typical person in the bottom 5% of American income distribution is still richer than 68% of the world's population. That's from Forbes magazine. The 5% poorest, the people with the absolute least in America are richer than 68% of the entire world population. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I don't have anything and I'm really struggling, I'm not saying that's not true. We're still richer than 68% of the world if we're at the very bottom. 20, the bottom 20% is richer than 80% of the world. If we just take that up to the 20% poorest people, 
We're richer than 80% of the world. And friends, every day we're seeing firsthand the pandemic has taken this and multiplied it. And that's not making the news. It's not making the news. The president of Uganda has come out and said their economy has regressed 100 years because of the pandemic. Time, it's not coming back. The need is greater than it's ever been in our lifetime. People who are struggling are struggling more than they've ever struggled before. There's never been a better opportunity to bring good news to the poor, to bring good news to the poor. People in, in poverty, their kids are dying from parasites because they don't have clean water. They're oppressed by people with money. They're enslaved because they took out a loan. Like this is happening in 2021 all over the world. There's a tremendous opportunity for good news. And I could talk to you forever about the opportunities, about the things that we're doing every day to try and confront poverty and create potential in this world. But right now, I just want us to start with acknowledging that it's real and it exists. And Jesus said, we are to bring good news to the poor. So who is that? Somebody that's poorer than you. Somebody that has a need that you can meet. We'll talk that in just a minute. So I want us to take a next step here. So what do we do with this? We see Jesus, his mission was that he was sent. His method was that he moved into the neighborhood and his mission was bringing good news. So what does that have to do with us? Glad you asked. First of all, embrace your sentness. Embrace your sentness. Not like my sentness, your sentness. You embrace your sentness. I need to embrace my sentness. What am I talking about? Let's look at John chapter 20, 21. I love this. I've kind of adopted this for my theme verse for 2021 because it's John 20, 21, right? What if we did this? Jesus said to them again, all right? So Jesus is repeating himself. And when Jesus repeats himself as the things he said before, that means it's really important. He says, peace be with you. Anytime Jesus leads with peace be with you, that means you better hold on to something because I'm about to rock your world. Like Jesus just went around like giving these teachings that were controversial and like stretched people beyond what they were ready for. So he says, okay, I'm gonna say this again because I think you may have missed it the first time. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Remember, we just looked at that, how? Sent with the love of God incarnationally into the neighborhood with the good news of God. I also send you. You. That's you, me. Say me. Say it. Me. Especially the kids. Me. As the Father has sent the love of Jesus into the world, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to Jesus. And Jesus turns around to you and me and says, tag, you're it. I'm out. You're in. That means every single one of us is invited into the mission of Jesus, with the authority of Jesus. One of the biggest things that we need to reorient in our own lives is we think of missionaries only as the people who sell everything. We're sending, helping send the Nances to Japan and they're leaving their whole life to go and take good news to a people they feel God has called them to as missionaries. Is that missions? Yes. Is that all that missions is? Absolutely not. That is one sliver that less than 1% of people will ever respond to. That doesn't mean we get to go, I'm not missionaries. Because Jesus is very clearly saying, you're a missionary. Just as I've been sent as a missionary to earth, I'm sending you. Charles Spurgeon said this, every Christian 
is either a missionary or an imposter. If we don't have an element of our own sentness and our obedience, then we're just hanging out, waiting for heaven. And it's like, we got a whole life in between that we've been invited to, that we have an opportunity to be a part of. This says, and this is what maybe you don't realize, this is a little subplot, I believe. It's like, you matter enough. Your presence is important enough on earth to be part of God's mission to the world. A lot of times we may go, I think that's for somebody else who can speak better than me, or I think that's for somebody who can be a church leader, or that's for somebody else. And Jesus is going, no, 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 I put you here. You're, uh, you're sent just like everybody else is sent. There's something for you to do here. There's a part for you to play in this invitation. I believe with all of my heart that mission is for everybody, and you have something unique to bring. There's something about you that is an opportunity for good news that nobody else has. And when we start to discover that, then we start to see the opportunity we have to live on mission. I grew up in Southwest Houston, and I remember very distinctly going to the roller rink at Fondren, or maybe it was Gessner. I'm not very good with geography. But like, every weekend, my friends and I would go, right? And this was probably mostly like middle school, and it was the place to be, right? I could go and just spend hours. And anybody else do roller rinks? Just me? Too old? All right. I'm, see, I'm feeling some of that love. Do you remember this? Like, um, God, I don't think they had like the spray stuff back then that they put like in the roller sk Anyway, that's like, never mind. Never, never be possible post-COVID. So, but you would go and you would skate and you're working on your craft. And then like out of nowhere, they would be like couple skate. And it's like, what do you have to do? to like sidelines and you sit there for like ever watching like one couple like it's all middle school kids like one couple out there skating together or like adult skate you know and it's like you're sitting there waiting forever it's like at the pool like in the summer right like there's a break for absolutely no reason or adult swim or whatever like as a kid's the worst thing ever you sit there waiting and then like at the roller rink you're just waiting waiting and then eventually they're like all skate and it's like whoa and everybody's on to the roller rink um, crowded in this big room and it's just like that's what mi missions is in all skate for Christians it's not just like sitting around watching a few people do some things while everybody else is watching or you got any Super Bowl Sunday right so maybe we should do talk some sports for a second but it's like we have this idea and this has crept in I think into Christianity somewhat and it's that we have this mentality that we show up and we watch like 11 guys on a field do stuff that nobody else could do and we're like, man, I'm so glad that they're doing that. They're doing so good at the football and I'm so glad that I can watch them and I think that church has maybe become a little bit like that. I'm so glad that they're so good at, at the things that they do that are these professional Christian things while these people are up on a stage and there's people watching, the danger is that thinking that the people on the stage are more important to God's mission than the people anywhere else because it's probably actually the opposite. Who has more contact with people who are in desperate need of good news? People. You do. You have a greater capacity for living in obedience to the mission of God than trying to convince people that they should show up at a church. Jesus never measured the success of his kingdom on how many churches were planted or how many baptisms there were or how many rededications or numbers or anything like that. 
How did he measure success? That the good news was going to the poor. That was literally it. Making disciples of all nations. Like that the word was going out. That the people were living on mission. And, and that we would be known for our love while we're doing it. That's what Jesus said that he cares about. And all of these other things are good and they're metrics that help us see if we're trending in those directions and helping to mobilize people into what they were called to do. But the job, if you look in the Bible, the job of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not to be on the field doing the, the work of ministry. No, we're all in. It's an all skate. We're not watching the team on the field. You are the team on the field and we're cheering you on. What can we do? How can we help you? What do you need for those people that you've come into contact with? It's like, I don't know where it got so backwards. I don't know where it became about thousands of people watching a handful of people and calling that success in church. But that's not what Jesus said. Success in church is how many people are going out from the church, sent by God, taking good news to the people that need it the most. That's living on mission. And so what happens here is we want to be an encouragement. We want to be a resource. We want to stir each other up like we talked about in community towards good works. We want to help each other on mission. But the idea is that we need to be focused on what happens when we leave here, not on the hour that we have together on Sunday mornings. This should fire us up for the mission that God has called us on. So embrace your sentness. You're sent. I'm sent. The kids in the back are sent. You know who's way better at missions than anybody else? Kids. You know who doesn't have any problem seeing a need that needs to be met and saying, let's give them some food. Let's go give them some clothes. Somebody in my class needs this. Somebody needs that. When God was talking about having childlike faith, that's legit. Because they don't talk themselves out of what needs to be done. They're not too busy. We can learn a lot from what they show us. All right, so embrace your sentence. The second thing, explore opportunities. All right, let me just make it a little bit easier. God's been at work on this mission long before we've ever gotten here. He said he's close to the brokenhearted. He said that he's close to widows and orphans. It says to visit widows and orphans. And they're like, Matthew 28, the, the, when it says go and make disciples, that literally means something more like as you go. So it's not like, okay, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready. And then I'm going to go. It's like, no, you're already going. So look at the places where you're already going and ask God to show you where you're supposed to be on mission, where you already show up every day. It's not a wait and go somewhere else. It's like, God's already sent you, moved into the neighborhood. You already live on a street. You already have a job. You already go to school. You already hang out at soccer practice. You already have these things in these places that you go. What if we understood that you don't show up anywhere by accident? You show up where God wants you to show up because you are sent. So we embrace our sentness and then we start paying attention to where we go. Remember the evidence of incarnation is moving into the neighborhood. So everywhere we go is an opportunity to see how God wants us to live on mission. And I'm not, remember, it's not about preaching. It's not about like, okay, I'm going to tell that person about Jesus right now. Jesus actually says things like, um, the people who gave me a cup of cold water, they gave it like straight to me. That was that was good news. Somebody that needed clothes, that was good news. Somebody that needed a meal, that's good news. Like, we don't need to overcomplicate this because we all have this potential to just see opportunities, to see needs. And if we're being honest, there's an awful lot of trial and error on mission. We like to over-spiritualize things and talk about the disciples. And when you see pictures of like the disciples, we see them in these like Renaissance and medieval paintings with like these halos and we call them saint and this and that. These guys were like, they didn't have a clue. 
right? If we're being honest, like they said things like, it seems good to the spirit in us, so let's just go try it. Like the whole move of the gospel was a bunch of guys just trying stuff and seeing what works. So is it important to have strategy? Yeah, strategy is important for sustainability, but before you have strategy, sometimes you have to stumble around and find where it is that you're supposed to be and what it is that you're supposed to be doing. These guys, after Judas hung himself, the 12 disciples were down to 11, and it's like, this seems like a pretty important office to fill, right? Like, who's gonna replace, like, these 12 people are gonna be the spreaders of the gospel to the ends of the known, like, they're gonna do it, and they're like, we need to fill that spot, man, what should we do? I got an idea. draw straws. That's literally what they did. They got it down to some people who were qualified. It's like, ah, let's just cast lots and let's fill the spot like that. And I don't mean that to make fun of them. I just want us to see that sometimes it's not as holy of an act as we might think it is to just show up somewhere and go, what should we do? Let's try this. I think this would be good news to those people. And I think God's going, yes, don't wait around for the perfect plan because it'll never be perfect enough for you to wait and go. You've already gone. So as we're going, let's explore opportunities. Henry Blackaby in a book called Experiencing God, he said it like this, find out where God is working and join him. It's not up to you to figure it out. It's already been figured out. And like I said before, James says, true religion is this, visiting widows and orphans in their affliction. Does it say adopting every orphan on the planet? Does it say figuring out how to restore every widow that it is? It says, no, just show up. Just visit. That's pure religion. Do you have a cup of cold water? Can you find somebody that needs it? God's already at work. What's he put around you that you can respond to? The third thing, extend good news. For some, it's apologetics and preaching, but for others, it's more simple. And I just think it can be summarized like this from Proverbs 31. Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and the meaty. What does that say? What are we supposed to do? Speak up and show up. You have a voice, find something that's broken, acknowledge it and help respond to it. Show up where there's a problem. There's a life, there's somebody that's waiting for you to show up. And you don't have to know why, but your presence is important. God told Abraham, I blessed you to be a blessing. So part of our sentness is blessing. And then the last thing is engage missionally. How do you do that? Like, how do you go ahead and just do that? Well, I wanna invite you to three things. Pray, give, and go. Praying, you can start right now. God, where do you want me to go? Help me to see this. Just start praying. It's God's job to show you where you're supposed to go. Pressure's not on you. It's his mission. We're joining him. So pray, give. For the amount of money that I paid for a latte this morning, or actually one of my daughters paid for a latte this morning, we could have sent a Bible to an unreached people group in India. Five bucks. For the same price that it costs for me to take my family to Chick-fil-A, I can give clean water to 200 people for two years. For 150 bucks, I can help somebody start a business. Or I could buy groceries for a local family or a a teen mom. There's so many things that we could do. And I'm not saying that we have to just sacrifice everything, but sacrifices are an appropriate part of, of, of mission. Pray, give, let it cost you something. Go, show up where you want to go. Acts chapter one just tells us where to go. And it says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What does that mean? 
This is what it means. This is where you should go. Anywhere. Go across the room. Every seat that we set up here is an opportunity for somebody in this area, in the five mile radius is what we always talk about, to come in and hear the gospel of Jesus for the first time. What does that mean? Setting up a chair is bringing good news. There's a group of people that get here every week at eight o'clock and set up all these chairs, set up all this tech, set up all this live stream. Way more people watch this later on than watch it in the room. So the sacrifice of time and effort, doing something, you know how much skill it takes to set up a chair? Just show up. It's not hard. What does it cost us? A little, you know, an hour or two of sleep that we can make up later. You know what else it does? It gives us an opportunity to grow in community because there's relationships that form around serving together. Mission always builds community, by the way. Serving together always makes it happen. Buying in to the mission of Renaissance as an ambassador of good news to our community, serving, helping hold kids when we do, do that, hanging out with, with teenagers at Rise. Like those are all mission opportunities. Go across the street, Talk to Zach about Mercy Goods, who's directly engaged with opportunities here in the school district to help kids get to a place they could never get to on their own. And if you have no idea like how to engage, find somebody that's engaging and just say, can I go with you? Can I do what you do? Can I, can I learn from you? Can you help me see? Or if you're blessed financially, go buy everything Mercy Goods has for sale because all of that money is going back into serving people. Go serve at Friends of North Richmond. There's, there's easy on-ramps, very close by. And any of them could be a good fit for you. And you just have to keep experimenting across the street here in Fort Bend, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe at your work, or maybe like the dances, you're like, we don't know why, but God put Japan on our hearts and we know we're supposed to go there. I hope that happens to several of you in this room. Maybe not Japan but maybe it's the Philippines or maybe Brazil. I met with some missionaries this week that are Bulgarian. God's called them to America to live as missionaries. Game's changing a little bit. But our opportunity is the same. We're called. So wherever you go. And the last thing I wanna say is just give us one more picture. Stand up and stand together. This is our invitation. Let's let our voices be heard. Let's do this together. A friend of mine told me a story in, in, in Africa, a friend that I lost uh, last month. And he, he was telling a story. And, and in the wild, lions really aren't that big. Like we think of them as this like glorious creature, right? But lions aren't that big. But they're what? Loud. It's no coincidence that when the Bible talks about the enemy, he talks about the enemy as a lion on the prowl looking for things that they can devour. And these are like a, a breed of, of buffalo in Kenya. And so these lions, there was two lions that would just come every day and they would terrorize this, this herd of buffalo with their roar. Like they would roar and the buffalo would run and then whoever was last would get eaten. And they just did this every single day. And then one day there was this, there was a turn of events and this is a picture from a French photojournalist. And they happened to be watching this day. And there was one day where the herd of buffalo, like they're twice the size of these lions. And one day they had had enough 
And instead of just allowing the lions to come and scream all this noise and facilitate all this darkness and to perpetuate fear in their herd, the buffaloes decided to stand up, stand together, and attack the lion. Look at the sheer terror on that lion's face. Never occurred to him that he could be defeated by a herd of buffalo standing up and standing together. And I just think we can be that herd of buffaloes. There's some loud roars, threatening things that may have been comfortable to us before. The, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is real. That happens. But you know what? Can't The, the church of God on mission together, nothing can stop it. We have the potential to bring this good news to every person that we know, every person in Fort Bend County. Our invitation is to live on mission across the room, across the street, across the city, across the country, across the world. And I hope that you're willing to just say, okay, tag me in, send me in. I wanna play. You're worth it. You matter in the mission of God. And we're so glad that you're here to learn more about it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.